Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, it is December the 18th. Listeners, welcome back to the podcast. A couple quick announcements. Thank you, first of all, for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the United States. I won't bore you with all the statistics, but now we're being listened to in 61 different countries from around the world, which is quite extraordinary. So for all of you around the world who are listening to Julie and I, most of you guys listen to us at least two days a week. I want to thank you for making this the number one listen to daily podcast. And I want to wish you guys and Julie and I went off, of course, and all of our staff and our families want to wish you guys a very, very happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Though, you know, I just did actually listen to Ben Shapiro talk about the history of Hanukkah. Yeah. Have you ever heard? Have you, that yeah, that's not really a festive holiday. It's not like Christmas. People not think, at all. People think it's like even Stephen with Christmas. It's not one of their major holidays. But, but I'm, as, as it, far I as it, for kids it is. But as far as it being of a, the lighting of the menorah and the historical significance, mm-hmm. it goes back to like a really bloody war. It's not like yeah. St. Nick and the whole thing. No, I mean, it's, it's not completely. That jolly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So for all of our Jewish uh, friends out there, happy Hanukkah. All right, so Julie, we are going to continue talking about the real estate treasure map, their Mm -hmm. 2021 business plan. Um, And then if you listeners have not downloaded your 2021 business plan, it is not too late. Please just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Text 2021-855-685-1045. When you do, we'll text you back immediately a um, fill-in-the-blank business plan called the Real Estate Treasure Map. In addition to that, we are going... You know what I'm tempted to say? What? But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> We're also going to give you six other books, um, and these are all downloadable. Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. Uh, it is an iteration of the book written by Napoleon Hill called... Uh, Think and Grow Rich. And Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate is the a public domain version of the book where we added some real estate content. So make sure you guys are grabbing hold of that um, and reading it. And that's something that Julie and I are actually planning on listening to together on our walk starting today as we walk every single, well, we walk about every other day, about six miles in the opposite day as we go to the gym and we run and then we listen to it then as well. But Think and Grow Rich is one of the great books for getting your head straight. It's one of those... Um, I don't know about all of you guys, but when it gets slower out and and frankly, there's not as much to do business-wise, I have a very bifurcated emotional response. One side of it is, is I'm grateful for not having a bunch of appointments, but the other side of it is I don't know what to do with myself because I don't have a bunch of appointments. Yes. Would I've you agree? This. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you have to be monitored. I have to be monitored. So what I do prior to the holidays, and I got my list going, is I make a list of books I want to listen to, and I also make a list of easy to do, uh, fun projects that are sort of mentally stimulating. I'm going to do as well because I understand myself well enough to know there's no way I'm actually ever going to completely vacation while on vacation. No, just doesn't happen. Absolutely. You take two or three days I to know, slow down. I do too. I've been working on making that a shorter time frame, but yeah. I think we, you know, and it's really not fair using 2020 as an example because I think we've all been on 
the uh, the weird hamster wheel <laughs> since basically January. You've been in this constant state of waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know? <laughs> Like, oh, did you hear now? The aliens, I mean, it's all the things you and I were joking about, right? Yeah. By the way, yes. I'm, we're going to get to our notes in a second, but it's Friday and we're feeling a little loopy and it's a week before Christmas. But did you see the two articles I sent to you about aliens? The New York City sightings? The New York yes, City sightings? Yes, I did. I didn't see, I'm not sure about the other one, but yes, I think we're going to have an interesting Sunday show. I think we're going to have an interesting 2021 is what I think we're going to have. Yes, hopefully in a good way, but right. yes. I mean, if you make your long, if you were to write down on a dry erase board all the crazy lunatic, crazy just unheard of things that happened in 2021. I mean, you know, it wasn't just the pandemic. The pandemic was just starting the the big ball of wax. And then you were to add on another list all the things that didn't happen that maybe in the craziest dystopian science, uh, science fiction futures, you know, futuristic books that may have happened. Those are the things that we're expecting to happen next year. Yeah, there's still a list. <laughs> there's still, <laughs> still boxes that need checked. I was thinking how I felt back in January when we had our earthquakes here and how unsettled I, I felt then. And had I known, like, <laughs> you know, that was just the beginning. It's just such a weird How thing. many earthquakes did we have here in Puerto Rico? It was like over 20. It was tons. We had, there were some days that we had 20. It depends on how, you, you know, how big are you counting. Right. But, uh, you know, we had the month of January. I think there were like definitely more than 20 that were over four and a half or five. And, how, like and people think we're smart. Here's how smart we are. We moved to Puerto Rico without knowing one of the largest faults in the world. It's on the, southern, it's on the <laughs> southern border of the island. And oh yeah, Puerto Ricans just get used to the earth shaking now and then. Okay, great. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so well, yeah, don't forget about having to get a generator and all these other things that we do. And have. a backup water supply. And yes, the internet doesn't work half the time, but thank God T-Mobile's yeah. rolling out 5G all over the place. But yeah. Yeah, that's Puerto Rico. But you know what? We get to walk to the beach every day. That's right. It's all it's all good. But and, I, I did think it was a funny aha moment for both of us when we discovered that having a solar hot water tank may be not such a great idea during a cloudy <laughs> week. Why is our water so cold? Going back to how smart we really yeah, aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we put in a solar hot water tank because the hot water tank in our villa needed replaced. And uh, it's a huge 600-gallon water storage thing. And, you know, there's solar panels that heat the water. And the whole thing, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, Tim and Julie are so eco-friendly. And the whole thing is such a great idea because it's sunny. Okay, except, to Julie's point, if it's uh, cloudy. Now, here's another thing to think about that we didn't consider. If it's cloudy the previous day yeah, and then it becomes night. Right. Now you have not just not hot water, you have cold water. And the next morning, you are not having a hot shower. Or washing the dishes. Or doing anything. <laughs> Welcome to our world in Puerto Rico. Which is weird in a place that's mostly sunny. But no, we could, have, we could have had a hot water tank, but, you know, we no, didn't think of that. Didn't think of that. Yeah. Well, anyway. but, if, but there's flip side of it, too. Yeah. We do get to walk to the beach. We do have beautiful weather every day. Yeah. You and I, you know, we grew up in the tundras of the, you know, Ohio area, and we definitely are not missing winter. And you did trip on Mick, Ricky Martin on the beach the other day. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I can get over a lot. Right. But I, I just thought it was funny that back in January, I thought like, okay, now by the time it was February and the earthquakes were kind of over, okay, now we can get back to having a normal year. No, I was so wrong about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know. Anyway, we'll talk more about all this stuff on Sunday. Uh, we need to round the bend. We've been talking about the treasure map. Yes. And we are at the point where everyone has figured out their numbers and they are now saying, well, where am I going to get this business from? And so far we've talked about sourcing historically where you're, if you've been in business long enough to do this, you know, newbies, maybe not so much, but for the rest of you, where has your business actually come from? 
And what can you be doing to get more from those sources? Because that shows what you're good at. And go ahead. Well, I was only going to remind all of them. Make sure you go back um, the, at least the past seven days and listen to the past podcast. We're helping you complete the treasure map because we went over in great detail what the first couple spokes on your lead generation wheel should be. So make sure you're going back and listening to those podcasts. And today, Julie, we did foreshadow that we we're going to start talking to them about expireds. Yes. Okay. So we covered, as you said, in great detail, your past client center of influence, how to treat your database. What to say, how to say it, your whole 12-month plan. Why they matter. Which by, which, by the way, the Harris plan doesn't cost you any money, does not involve pop buys or tchotchkes. Yes. <laughs> so we've covered that ground. Now, that and the points that we made about that are that that is going to be an ongoing spoke that you nurture, you take care of, you grow, you prune, you preen for your entire career. It's not a one and done, set it and forget it. So we're going to leave that topic for now, and we're going to move on to people you don't know. So okay. that's the difference. Center of Influence Database, you know them. They're easier. They trust you. There you okay? go. But now we're going to move on to people who you don't know. However, the cool thing about many of these categories is that the ratios it takes, the number of people you've got to talk to to get results is far fewer. So when you're doing your lead generation wheel inside your real estate treasure map and you're trying to decide what your first spoke should be, it should be centers of influence and past clients. That's what we tell everyone to do because it's the easiest spoke for you to create because for the most part, even if you're brand new in real estate, you still know some folks. And if you don't, we're going to give, we give you some coaching and training on how to actually expand your uh, the who you know category. We talked about that on the podcast a little bit yesterday. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, because this is just a 30-minute show, we can only do a sort of a light dusting of the actual coaching content that you get as a coaching member. But at least this will get you guys going in the right direction, get your minds thinking um, more precisely about how to build your business um, and how to have an actual very profitable business. So Julie was just explaining the first category that we want you to focus on is the who you know category, because then you're going to, frankly, not need a lot of sales skills to know how to communicate with those folks and ask them for business. And again, we gave you some coaching on that in the last few podcasts. And now we're going to move over to what is the most lucrative aspect of the real estate business. And it's also, so we're going to, I want you to visualize a bridge. We're crossing the do not from the do not, I'm sorry, from the who you know, land of the who you know. And now we're going to be crossing this bridge to the land of who you uh, don't know. Now, the idea is, is if uh, many agents will never even find the bridge, let alone have the, the chutzpah, and that's in honor of all of our people celebrating uh, Hanukkah, chutzpah, <laughs> right? Right. To uh, cross that bridge. But right. those of you who do have the courage to cross the bridge, you're going to soon discover that there's very few people that are willing to cross that bridge. And because most of them will never, never develop the sales skills or the chutzpah to actually learn how to go after business from people that they don't know. But the don't know categories, the don't know spokes are without a doubt the most profitable spokes in the real estate industry. And I'm going to set it up just by, you know, this little mental exercise. Because it, to me, when I say this, it makes me laugh in a kind of a snarky way, but still it is kind of funny. If you were to, if I were to walk into a convention, and Julie and I have done this before. We actually have done exactly what I'm about to say. You walk into a room, and let's say there's 500 agents in the room. And, you know, some of them, unfortunately, this well, fortunately, I should say, but unfortunately, know our jib-jab, so they know what I'm setting them up for. But as I'm, I'm just replaying having done this before, you know, where some people will know where I'm leading with my little trick here. But for those that don't, here's the question I ask. I have a list, and I walk in with a list of 500 or however many I have, people who absolutely positively want to sell their homes. And I'm going to auction, all, and it's all in your, you know, let's say I'm speaking to somebody, a group, Jules and I are speaking to a group in Denver or whatever. And these are all people in your local MLS. They've already said 
that they're going to list with an agent. They've already said they're going to pay a commission. They've already basically tested the market for their price. They've already basically uh, everything, right? These are absolutely motivated. Let's say 90% of them are extremely motivated sellers. What would you pay for my list? And then Julie and I will start a, a live auction. It's a joke, but we'll say, what will you pay for these leads? Do I hear, and we have a list of, you know, 350 people here. Do I hear $350? Yes. Do I hear, and we can, we can ratchet that up to thousands of dollars. And then I make the point. All right. So there's 350 people up here on this list. How much were you guys just all willing just to pay for these leads? How much, how much on thousands average? And thousands. thousands and thousands. And we, when we've done this, we've not done this live, obviously for at least a year, but when we've done this, the average usually works out to be about $300. Um, just for the basic information that we are having on our list. And we usually do have a real list. Sometimes it's just blank paper just to make a point. And then we say this. Well, guess what? You don't have to pay us any for anything for these leads because these leads are free. Right here in my, in my hand, in Julie's hand, is a list of you know 350 people, 500 people, 50 people, doesn't matter, you know depending on the size of the market, of people that absolutely positively want to sell their house. You know what the price is. You know they're willing to pay a commission. You know the, everything you need to know about the house. These are the best, most, you know, absolutely the rock star leads of real estate. And you get these for free. And they're like, what, what, what? Yes, they're in your MLS. They're called expired listings. Yeah. And then you always have, it's almost like clockwork. There are no expireds in our marketplace. Baloney. And then we start reading off the addresses yeah. of the houses. Do you know where uh, you know Oak, the Oakhurst subdivision is? Okay. Well, here's one, two, three, you know, Pine Drive. It just expired. Here's one from six, six months ago that never got relisted. Here's one. Da, 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 da. And we start going down. There are expireds. They're expireds in every single market. No matter how how hot that seller's market is, you just have to search. And sometimes they will be temporarily off the market. Sometimes they'll be expired. Sometimes they'll be withdrawn, notice default. All the different things that we teach you guys to pursue in our coaching business. Now, again, I want you to think, and this is the snarky laugh that I can't hold myself back from doing. I just did it. Because the reality of it is, is these leads are free, and yet you guys are willing to pay, and the number is in the billions of dollars per year to buy leads. I want you to just, for a second, I give myself a second to catch my breath. Well, not And not even that pre-qualified leads. Yeah, You don't really. even really know what you know about an expired, right? You, you guys spent, spent billions of dollars of leads. Zillow started this train, right, in 2007. You guys spent billions of dollars for buyer leads, which are absolutely free. Not vetted. Not vetted. And yet, when I, you know, you, and you, how much would you pay for seller leads? Billions and billions and billions of dollars. Because if you have one listing, you're going to have to beat the buyers off the stick, especially in this market. And the listing itself might also be a buyer. Right. So one listing generates, in a market like this, probably five to 10 buyer leads. And how much are agents paying per year for buyer leads? Billions of dollars. So if you want buyer leads, take listings. And if you want listings, go to your MLS. At the very least, add the next book on your wheel, which is expired. So I think we nailed the hell out of that yes, one. Yes, but I, I have even a few more points. Okay. Uh-oh. Just in, in case we have any non-believers. Julie's okay. jazzed up. Okay. Here's the thing. Because I get I get kind of frustrated, frustrated. All right, yep. that agents don't take this more seriously. So I'm going to do a little bit of expired math here for a second. Oh, there's a spider that Zoe put on your... Yeah, quickly. a little plastic spider Zoe put on my desk to try to scare me. <laughs> there you go. She did this? Well, it might have been a group effort. Okay. So uh, let's see. All right. So here's the thing. Before we do the math, 
What do we know about expireds? Now you hit most of the nails on the head where you said the price has been vetted. So we know what the wrong price is. We know what the price isn't. We know what the price isn't. That makes your CMA easier. Right. I still love doing CMAs on expireds because there was already a fact that I could work with. Right? I got, let me do the next one. Yeah. We know this, the sellers have been, so sometimes when you list a house originally with a seller, they are a little bit optimistic about pricing, especially in a market like this. So when it expires, they have, a, you know, frankly, they have taken a lot of wind out of their sales and they're more willing to price market correctly. Not always, but sometimes. But I'm going to preface this. In a hot seller's market, it's not always price. And I want you all to listen to what I'm saying because it's really important. In a hot seller's market, the price may have been fine. Matter of fact, get ready for it, it actually may have been underpriced and it maybe didn't sell because it had a condition issue that's easily fixed or other reasons that we're going to talk to you about in a second, but it could be something. Nothing had. It could be nothing to do with the price. So don't just assume a seller at an expired expires. <laughs> Did I say that right? And an expired expires. Right, because, because of price. price. It could be price, but it, especially in today's market, it might be a bunch of other things. Too. Right. When Julie and I sold real estate, it was easy. The easy button was price, but nowadays it could be essentially a whole bunch of other things we're going to touch on maybe yes. today. Okay. So here's what else I love about expireds. The agent that you otherwise would have been competing against if you had the listing lead in the first place. Probably that someone they knew. A more than likely, statistically high likelihood of somebody that they knew who they thought would do the job for them. But they didn't really qualify them based on experience. It was right. more based on relationship. Probably the agent that sold them a house or right. somebody they're friends their with. Their neighbor. Whatever. Sit next to them at church. Yes, but they thought that that agent was the right agent for them for the job of selling the house. Okay. Now, had you been competing against that tight center of influence person, probably you wouldn't have gotten the listing. They've already tried. They've already failed. That means you don't have that problem to deal with anymore. The agent they thought would do the job has already failed. Now that's you a can't, good thing when you go to for an expired. You can beat an agent in a listing appointment that's a center of influence, past client type agent uh, to that seller. You can, and we show you how to do that in our coaching program. It is not difficult to overcome the objection from the seller that my friend, my neighbor, my brother is a real estate agent. We tell you what to say and how to say it. And I would say 95% of the time, they really don't want to list with that center of influence and past client of theirs. And the answer is, Mr. well, one of the scripts we teach is, you know, I, I mean, I'm so tempted to go into scripts, but I'm not going yeah. to. Well, but, but the point is for the we, sake of time. Yeah. We'll but the, we teach you guys how to overcome when you're like when you're competing for listings, and you're uh, let's say you call, you know, you get called out, and let's say you have no connection with that seller. Um, you know, maybe you're whatever. You come across the listing, you you're going to go on the listing appointment and you find out your competitor is someone who's an old friend of theirs. Well, they don't really, they're only meeting with that old friend out of a sense of obligation, but they don't really want to list with the old friend. They're more concerned about getting the house sold for the most money. And here's the little psychology that's at play here. They are fearful of offending the old friend, the family member or whatnot. Um, and if you show them that they actually wouldn't necessarily offend them by not giving them the listing, but in some cases you're actually going to do things to enhance the relationship, and this is all about scripting and know how to essentially overcome that objection, then you'll take the listing. So those of you who just back down when you're fearful that yeah. you're going to not take the listing because you're competing against somebody that the seller claims to have some sort of personal connection with, those are sometimes the, e well, I would not say sometimes, they're always the easiest agents to beat. And here's the, uh, another thing that happens. Those 
agents will often roll into that listing being assumptive mm-hmm. and not being very professional. We hear that all the time. Right. And if you show in and you show up and you use our pre listing pack, you overcome the objections. You know, here's again, I, I'm trying to avoid not using scripts here just for the sake of brevity. But the reality of it is the sellers would prefer to keep their business and their personal life separate. That's how everyone is. Um, you know, we were uh, going to renew our uh, business insurance and um, one of the local insurance agents here in Puerto Rico, who we have our other insurance with, in order for us to renew our business insurance, I'd had to give him a bunch of financial information on our business, which frankly, I see the guy every day and I don't necessarily want him knowing that much information about us because I mean, I'm sure he's a very confidential type guy, but I don't want him necessarily having that information that would be something he would pass along to other people. That type of thinking is what goes on in the minds of everybody. So if you just essentially stoke the flames of fear that that seller already has, you're going to get them to realize that they really don't want to list with this person that they know from church. They'd rather just keep that person as a friend or a family member and not you know, divulge their financial dealings. And there's also psychology um, that the seller is going to be concerned about of what happens go, What happens when something, and it always does, goes slightly astray on the real estate transaction. Are they going to be able to hold that friend or family member really accountable? They're not. And that's the other thing you have to basically uh, affirm or uh, essentially confirm in their fears. And that's ultimately the reason why um, or how we go about teaching our agents how to compete and win against agents who are essentially tied to that seller from some sort of non-business way. And that's how you guys can win. But you have to learn how to compete. That's really the bottom line. In fact, there's lots of situations like this where we have to coach agents depending on which side of the table you're on, right? So maybe sometimes you're that center of influence agent and you want to make sure that you are not assumptive, that you're not the only one who didn't present, for example, because you assumed you had it in the bag. We also have situations where maybe you are the neighborhood agent and maybe your next appointment, you're not the neighborhood agent. So you we said, teach them how to handle both sides. Right. Well, you said something really important. And this is if when we have uh, coaching clients lose listings that should have been layups for them because they're centers of influence in past clients, 99.9% of the time is because they didn't follow the listing process and they took that seller That's for right. granted. They didn't pre-qualify. They didn't send the listing presentation. They didn't prepare to compete. And then a well-trained agent was able to basically sneak in and get that listing. I said sneak in because that um, center of in, that you know the primary agent who should have gotten the listing had they been more professional. They weren't paying attention. Right. They were being assumptive. The seller decided to list their house with someone who was more professional, who they had more confidence in, would get them the result that they wanted. Which, by the way, this does circle around by why a lot of these listings expire. Oh, absolutely, it is. It and, is and because those same agents are assumptive on price. Well, let's so let's move the conversation forward. So yeah. you were saying. That when you're um, essentially one of the advantages of going after an expired seller is they have exercised their prospective uh, listing agent because they already listed with them that agent uh, right. failed to sell the house. All right, so here's the other thing that comes into play when you're when you're chasing expireds like this. That same agent was probably afraid to tell them the truth about the feedback. That same agent was probably afraid to tell them the truth about the condition, about the fact that yes, you can't smell that cat pee. The fact that yes, so they probably overpromised. Yes, they pro- or they uh, they or over- didn't do anything or didn't do anything is the yeah, most likely scenario. Worse. Right. And they don't, and neither party wants to get into the conflict of it, right? Right. 
So that's how things expire. And sometimes, you know, even when it's a hot market like this and you're pushing upper limits on price, there is a limit to aspirational pricing as well. So sometimes maybe you're like a tiny price reduction away from success. You just have to, you know, know what your market is. The other thing that I really like about expireds is by the time something expires, because let's let's be honest, nobody thinks their house is going to expire. Right. When that sign goes in the yard, when it goes in the MLS, nobody's thinking my house is not going to sell. Most, Julie, have you considered the fact that there's a good bit of sellers out there? I bet you 50% of sellers mm-hmm. have only owned real estate during what effectively has been a oh, real estate sure. boom. For sure. So they have no idea Decades. what it's actually ever to even sell a personal home in a buyer's market. <laughs> That's so, right. So they're, they, they have a sense of entitlement to mm-hmm. always being in a seller's market and appreciation. That's right. Until it expires. Right. And they're surprised and they're shocked, almost depressed about it. Okay. So here's a fact. What an expired seller will do to get the house sold is different than how they felt about it when it was Originally, fresh. right. Okay, they'll actually say, just tell me what to do to get it sold. Right. right. And that can be fixing the cat pee. It could be making it cuter on the outside, better curb appeal. It might be a price adjustment. It might be all of the above, right? It could be that nobody's explained to them that having elaborate showing instructions chases buyers away and you need to actually allow people to see the house. So I'm going to explain to you guys some more psychology behind why it's not always priced in an expired seller, an expired listing. So when a listing hits the MLS, I want you to just think about how the system works. Everybody's geeked up about it, right? It's like it basically in a, a listing, and this is an old ancient script, but it's mm-hmm. awesome. The analogy anyway, it's like expiring milk, right? It doesn't get better with age. Nope. And what happens in, with real estate, the psychology is, oh my gosh, did you see that new listing? Did you see the sign? Well, that's going to sell right away. That's going to be an amazing sign, you know, or amazing listing, blah, 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 blah. Okay, then a couple weeks passes, the sign, sign still stays the same. You know, it doesn't, it isn't, maybe it's sold, maybe it isn't, maybe the agent changed the status on the sign, maybe they didn't. You're not going to take the time to actually call. This is how the market perceives uh, real estate listings, how you do if you think about it. Okay, then maybe a month passes and you're going like, huh, maybe it closed and the listing agent just hasn't taken the sign down yet. And then 45 days passes and then you're like, wow, there must be something wrong with that house that it didn't sell. And now from a listing agent's perspective or from a buyer's agent's perspective, the psychology is even harsher. Most agents, if they look at, they look in the MLS for listings available and then they'll start fielding them by how long they've been for sale. And as soon as it's been for sale in most markets, more than 30 days, a lot of agents won't even show them depending on how deplete the inventory is of, of inventory, you know, the market is of inventory. It's like the billboard that you've passed on the freeway 20 times. You, you stop you seeing it. You don't even see it anymore. Right. But in real estate, not only do you not see it anymore, you start assigning really, you know, some, it must be problematic. Mm-hmm. You know, must have a condition issue. It must this, the other thing. And then what happens is a, a house... Because maybe the listing agent uh, did a really crappy job getting the word out about the house. Maybe the listing agent didn't do a great job of following up on leads. Maybe the listing agent did a terrible job of negotiating contracts. Maybe all these things are true. Plus, the seller was a bit of a pain in the butt to Julie's examples that she just gave. Then what happens is the showings drop off. And if you look at the matrix on, like there's a great service called Showing Time. And if you look at their statistics that they publish, you'll see that most new listings get the most showings in like the first really seven to 10 days. And after after that, it drops like a rock. Why does it do that? Because basically all the viable buyers in the marketplace who would have you know, been interested in that house, saw it, didn't like it, moved on, or wanted to see it, couldn't get into it, bought something else. So the market essentially is, you know, it'll thin its herd really 
almost urgently, two weeks or less, on every new listing. And then what happens is the house starts to linger. And then the longer it lingers, people just assume it's problematic. And then the showings really come to a, a dead stop. All because the house was not positioned correctly in the market when it hit the market. Which is all curable by you, the new listing agent. But here's So here's a little miracle of miracles. And remember, I told you this, and this should motivate all of you. And I can remember dozens of examples like this, and I'm sure Jules will as well. And here's a, here's the scenario. You're going to call on an expired listing. On January 2nd, you're going to call on an expired listing because you're going to hear us tell you and plead to you to make expired your next your your first proactive spoke. And you're going to call that seller, you're going to set the appointment, the seller's going to you're going to go you're going to do your CMA ahead of time, you're going to pre-qualify them, you're going to know everything you need to know. Um, and then you're going to be doing your CMA and you're going to go like not only is this house not uh, overpriced, but it's priced like maybe a little under the market because all the while that house was for sale lingering on the market, the market appreciated by one or two percent, right? And and you're like, Mr. S- when you go on the listing appointment, you're going to be able to tell the seller that it wasn't the price. And now you're going to go out to the house and maybe you're going to see that there's not even a condition issue. Maybe there's not even a location issue. And you, it's like, why the hell didn't this house sell? Because six months ago, there was a condition issue and the seller had since fixed it. But because time passed, the, you know, the milk was spoiled and people stopped wanting to see it. Now, here's where, here's where it gets wacky. You're going to list the house. You're going to take fresh pictures. You're going to write a fresh description. You're going to put it in at the same price, if not maybe in some cases slightly more, and it'll sell instantaneously. This is a fact. Yep. You know, this is something agents don't uh, really realize. But if you watch your hot sheets every day, you'll notice that relisted expireds do have a lot lower days on the market when they, you know, because they're going to sell right away. Right. So, and I have to get ready to go to an appointment. But before I go, I want to make some math out of this, right? So let's just say that your average sale price is 400,000. Okay, so that's about a $12,000 commission. Let's just say that's your, I'm keeping it relatively low. A lot of these guys is double that, but let's say it's 400,000. Well, Jules, the average sale in the United States right now is 309. Yeah, it's really, it's absolutely creeping up. So what what was your average you're using? I was using 400,000. Well, so you want to use three? Let, we can use I'll three. use three hundred, and let's and let's do it um, without any you know fees and whatnot. So let's okay, so, so it's nine thousand dollars times just do times twelve months. So it's nine. So if you list it at six percent, oh, it's two and a half. All right, okay, then seventy five hundred. But guys, get the point here. So it's nine thousand dollars per expired on average in most of the country. Go ahead. Okay, so let's say that I. I'm just learning. My scripts aren't perfect. I'm dabbling. I only make myself do it. I'm basically kind of a low bar here. And I only am able to list and sell one expired per month. Yeah. Take that times 12. 9,000 times 12. 72,000, right? No. 108. 108,000, sorry. So if you kind of suck at it, okay, and you're at 108,000 like, because... Like Julie like does in basic math. It's yes, because I had wow. 400 in my head while I was figuring it yeah, out. Yeah, I know. Okay, so let's, let's say you kind of aren't great at it. And maybe you have to talk to 10 of them to get anything to happen. But that's a really great point. That's one expired per month. One per month. Yeah. No okay. buyers. No buyers. No branding. No branding. No and website. Let's, let's say that you're adding this onto your existing decent business, right? Maybe that's your or only maybe business. Maybe that's your entire business. Right. Okay, so here's my point as I get ready to go. Okay. Yes. By not doing this and not taking it seriously, this entire, this podcast are coaching the scripts that go with it and not taking it seriously. You are saying, oh, no, 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 to those sellers who are highly motivated, who have to sell, whose price you know, whose you don't have much competition but the, with. We're You're not saying, even t- no, you keep your, keep your 108,000. I'm not interested. And we're not even taking into account the listings you double end. 
Or getting the, buyers this, from the expireds who haven't bought yet. Or the sellers that basically have to buy. All the this lead is generation just, that comes off of your sign. Exactly. Getting a sign. And you know, here's here's something else I love about expireds that you can't really say about anything else except maybe for sale by owners, okay? It, yeah. Is let's just say that I'm somebody that one of my goals is to raise my average sale price. Maybe not a ton, but maybe I want to go from an average of 300 to an average of 500, okay? And there's plenty of neighborhoods where I sell that I can do that. I can actually cherry pick expireds in the neighborhoods that I know sell well traditionally and raise my average commission, raise my average sale price and break into neighborhoods that I desire to sell. Now, you can't do that even with your past clients and center of influence because you can't tell me who's going to list next. We didn't do that when we sold real estate and I wouldn't coach someone to do that. I would coach someone to list every single expired well, they could list and the averages will play to their favor. But my point is, if you're going to be somebody that just adds on expireds and right. you, you, know, you want to do some of that, maybe you just moved across town and you don't have a footprint in that area well, yet. To your you point, and I, I know you got to run, when you and I were moving from central Columbus and we were moving out to New, New Albany, Albany that's one and of we were, we did. And we were trying, right? We hunted the expireds in New Albany, that's my point. and we right, and we that was our that's how we got our beachhead in that marketplace. And I remember yeah. Julie and I listed or really pre-listed a whole bunch of listings. By the way, this time of year that were all expired. Awesome. And as soon as the spring market rolled out, you we just hammered the market with new listings. Yeah. And I remember the old guard realtors were like, "Who the hell is this Tim and Julie? What, what, happened? <laughs> what, what happened?" I know. And the cool thing is, once you do that, so let's say that you you know you get a couple of expireds going. Your for sale sign and your home brochures don't say, I got this because it wasn't expired. It just says sold. And right. now you've got a footprint in that neighborhood. Right. You've got marketing you can put behind that. Not just that. The neighbors are going to see that you sold something that Betty Bebop, exactly. the old guard roller, wasn't able to sell. Hers mm-hmm. sat there for six months or a year. Yep. Yours went up and down in less than 60 days. Yes. They're going to call you when that when they want to right. sell their house. That so is to how your you, point, we're the, not just talking about that $108,000. we are talking about everything that comes from every sign that you do. It's that times an astronomical amount. Do you need branding to do what we just said? Nope. Do you need a team to do what we just said? Absolutely not. Do you need fancy websites and fancy funnels nope, to do what we just said? Do you need a fancy logo to nope, do what we just said? they don't care. They just do, want you to sell the house. Do you need a bunch of Instagram or TikTok nope. videos? Okay. Nope. None of that. And we can go down the litany of other things you guys are wasting your time on. Yeah. We told you exactly what to do and exactly how the systems and the math works. And how you're going to argue in your head with this is it's an exercise in futility. Stay focused. Realize that your best years ahead of you are you know, there's still ahead of you for your business and personal life. 2021 is going to be the start of one of the best bull markets in the real estate industry ever since when humans came out of living in caves. <laughs> and Julie, thank you for a great podcast you today. You do the math if they don't suck at it. Let's say they did four a month. Yeah, exactly. I know. I hear you, sister. She's not really my sister, by the way. <laughs> I just call her sister. In any event, we're getting a little wacky. It's a week before Christmas. We need a little break. So do all of you. But do please get your real estate treasure map done. Uh, text 2021 to 855-685-1045. 855-685-1045. And at text 2021 to 855-685-1045. And remember, the first week in January for all markets is going to be one of the best times of the year to be going after expireds. A lot of you guys could be setting yourselves up for the entire year just off, let's say, realistically, your first 30 days worth of effort in January. I've had many, many coaching clients who did that every year. I remember there's two examples, and I'll leave you guys with this. One was a young guy in Manhattan, and the other guy was, um, he was like in his 60s, and he lived in Hawaii. And neither one of them wanted to work the whole year. They just got burned out in real estate about June. 
they weren't in it for the hustle. They were just in it basically because they enjoyed it, but they also wanted to make money. So, and they had, these guys were always running out of steam mid-year. And so what I told them was this, if you can earn the amount of money that you need for your entire year and you can do it by say June 1st, then you could take the rest of the year off. And, uh, you know, I didn't know if they would do it, to be honest with you, but they both did it. And the really fun part was, is the, the younger guy, the guy who was in Manhattan in particular, he then traveled the world. So he didn't have a big lavish lifestyle in, in Manhattan, even though he sold ex, in least expensive properties. So he was able to basically cover his personal overhead in Manhattan and still just travel the globe. And he was sending me pictures the whole time. It was fantastic. And the other guy, whose name was Howard, he basically had these beautiful dogs. I think they were uh, Dobermans, if I remember correctly. He lived in Hawaii. He had these big, gorgeous Dobermans. Um, and he would show those dogs all over the world. So that was his, it was what he wanted out of his life. I mean, you don't, if you guys really were to focus in on doing the things that are going to get you the results the quickest and stop sort of doing the time wasting activities that really don't get you to the result that you ultimately want. If you're just to focus in all your best energies every single day on the things that are going to put you in a position to help the most people the quickest, your life changes. And by the way, you're going to feel much more in control of your life because every single day you're going to wake up knowing exactly what to do, exactly what to say, exactly how to say it. And you're going to over time essentially get it to the point where you're going to know for every say uh, 10 uh, conversations you have, you're going to set one pre-qualified listing appointment. Seven, you're going to set one pre-qualified listing appointment. Remember, we are teaching you uh, the last couple days uh, about the difference between, you know, essentially spokes that are the ones that are the people that uh, that, that know you. The who you knows uh, are the first place you start out with. And then after that, you have to go with the who you don't knows. And the who you don't knows are more profitable than the who you knows. And the reason ultimately they're more profitable is because they're more plentiful. So if I were to walk into that same conference with a list of all your centers of influence and past clients, and I can say, and this is how it actually works, I have no idea which, who on this list wants to buy or sell real estate. It's just really a list of names that maybe you know. Some of them you know well, some of you don't really know that well, but I have no clue as to when they want to buy or sell real estate. What's this list worth? Exactly about nothing, because it is worth exactly about nothing. Now, if I walk in again with the expired list, and I say, what are you willing to pay for this? These are actual bona fide sellers that want to sell, who are urgent to sell. 90% of them are urgent to sell, not all of them, but most of them are urgent to sell. What would you pay for that list? You guys see the fallacy in a lot of the things that you're, the passive stuff you're doing. So you got to really drill down and have a heart to heart with yourself. Why is it that you're so attracted to the passive stuff? Because it does not, I'll answer your question, answer my question for you, right? Because it does not require any skill because it requires, uh, in your minds at least, it requires, it, it, there's no pain involved. There's no rejection involved. But here's the irony of this, and I want you guys to stay with this because it's a little bit of a mental Rubik's Cube that I'm about to pose to you, okay? So please remember what I'm telling you because it's really important. Whatever you're resisting the most is where your growth needs to be. And when you are trying to do passive stuff because you're fearful of being rejected, which is ultimately the core root emotion that causes people to never really master being proactively generators, fearful of rejection. So here's the, iron, the ironic thing. Because you're fearful of rejection, you actually are creating rejection and thus failure. So you're fearful of rejection because rejection in your mind will lead to failure and you, you don't know if you could emotionally handle that, right? 
So what you do is you do the passive things because everyone tells you, hey, Bob, listen, you never have to worry about the stuff that Tim and Julie are telling you. It requires skill and you're going to have to learn how to do it and you're going to hear people saying no occasionally to you. And da, 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 da. So why don't you instead do create these 17 funnels and you can have all these buyer leads come to you and you can you know nurture them and put them along for You're going to go like, oh, well, that feels good. I don't have to ever put myself in harm's way that way. I never have to learn something I don't want to learn. I never have to do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do it at the highest level. Emotionally, does this sound familiar, listeners? I know it does. So then what happens is you actually create the failure that you're trying to avoid because if you have the financial staying power, maybe you can stay in the business for three, four, five years and you can keep financially feeding these passive things to the point where they'll start sprouting the occasional transaction. Not very many of you have that kind of financial staying power, do you? So why would you waste your time doing those things? Again, it goes back to your fear, the fear of basically not knowing what to say, how to say it, your fear of rejection, which will ultimately lead to failure. Those are all fear-based things. They're all in your head. But by doing the things that the people are selling to you who are essentially manipulating you based on your fears, you actually create or manifest the exact end result, which is the failure. You get it? If you do the, And those things cost you money along the way. So you're paying slowly, you're paying monthly to slowly fail, basically. Now, when you do what we're prescribing for all of you, it does require work, it does require effort, it does require that you get better at something every day, but the results are duplicatable and predictable, and the actual efforts, the work that we're asking you to do, it doesn't cost you anything. It costs you your time. That's what it does cost you. It costs you your time. But it doesn't cost you anything that's going to involve a credit card. You're not going to have to buy leads and branding and all this other stuff that really doesn't lead to business. Real estate is not like a normal business because in a normal business, you have to create a product and then you have to create customers for your product. In real estate, you don't have to create a product. The listings are already there for you to take and you don't have to create customers for your product, especially in a market like this because there's always already people there that want to buy. So a lot of these business things that are being taught aren't necessary because the hard, the heavy lifting aspects of a normal business are already done. Like think of what Julie and I's coaching business, right? Over the years, over the past two decades, we had to create a proprietary system with proprietary copywritten scripts, with proprietary copywritten everything. All of our content that we guys, that we guys, that we have in our coaching program, we created over the past decades. And all the stuff that we, so we had to create this product. Then we had to basically create a system you know, over essentially decades where it took us to the point where we have the reputation we do, where people choose to trust us to do business. Doing what we did is actually much harder than doing what we're asking both of you, you guys to do. We're asking all of you to do. How do I know? Because Julie and I have done both. We sold real estate at a high level for almost a decade, selling between 100 and 200 homes a year. And doing that business, it cumulatively, the effort involved was easier than doing what we've done over the past few year, a few decades, right, in the coaching business. And the real estate and the coaching business did overlap. So the moral of the story here is you guys are in the right place at the right time Please do not feed into your fear and do not uh, give in to your fear of rejection, of failure, of all these types of emotions that these people manipulate you through to get you to buy the passive stuff. Look, the passive stuff is great. It's fun. It's exciting. It's like an art project, right? But it's optional. And it should not even be considered until you learn how to build your principal spokes, which will give you consistent business. This is what we're asking you to consider in 2021. We're asking you to seriously start looking at your business for what it is. It's a business. 
It's an opportunity for you to create legacy wealth for you and your family. It's an opportunity for you to help, you know, over time, thousands of people. That's how you have to think. In order for you to earn the right to be successful at that level, you have to essentially have a skill set that other people are willing to pay for. That's called, again, a skill set. That's called something that is going to be very marketable. And that gives you financial freedom. That gives you libertas. So conceptually, I know we're on the same page with thousands of you because this continues to be the number one listen to daily podcast. In the meantime, make sure you guys are purchasing our book, Harris Rules. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's, uh, I mean, it's at bookstores. If you happen to cross one, uh, we saw it in uh, bookstores, the airports when we were recently traveling. So do consider picking up Harris Rules. It's a great book. It's also available on Audible. Um, and again, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. We have global ambitions <laughs> and aspirations. We'll see if we can pull that off. Um, but in the meantime, guys, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, and we'll talk with you on the show on Sunday. And as Julie has foreshadowed, we have a lot of fun things to share with you guys on Sunday. And then next week, we're probably going to do two or three shows. And then we're going to wrap it up probably for a week and take a week off ourselves. Um, and uh, guys, if you feel the need to thank us for our podcast, as I, a lot of you do, and I always appreciate the texts, and I always appreciate the emails, and so does Julie. But please do consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes and give us a nice little comment too. It makes a difference. And if you're a book purchaser, as literally tens of thousands of you have, please contribute to the over 400 five-star reviews we have on the book on Amazon. That's the way you can thank us. You know, so if you're looking for a way to show gratitude towards, um, you know, the fact that we've aligned ourselves with you for your um, goals for your real estate business and your personal life, I ask you to consider doing one of those two things. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.